welcome to another episode of my Black is Transnational. I am your host, Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts, and coming up, you'll be hearing my conversation with Mr. Osagifo, S-O-M, the, an entrepreneur, um, a passionate Pan-Africanist, and the creator of the Make Africa Home Again campaign hats that uh, some of y'all may have seen on the internet. Uh, some of y'all may have seen some celebrity and star athletes wearing um, here and there. Um, but I have a very interesting conversation about his reconnection with Africa um, and what inspired him to be able to find his roots and strengthen his roots, but then also create um, such a very impactful uh, tool and, and merchandise that I think speaks to what we stand for here on My Black is Transnational. But before we get into that, as you all know, let's get into our formalities. If you don't know, um, if this is your first time listening to My Black is Transnational, you can find this podcast and download this podcast on any of your favorite podcast listening apps, wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcast. You can find this podcast here, and we hope that you uh, make this your new favorite podcast. Uh, you can also find this podcast um, on the internet. You can check out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast. You can find all the information that you need about this podcast on there as well. Please follow us on social media. You can follow the podcast at Black Transnational Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can follow me, the host, at Black Transnational underscore. So we'd appreciate you following us. We appreciate your listenership. And please feel free to provide any feedback, uh, any comments, uh, and please rate the podcast five stars if you like what you hear. You can also use the opportunity to check out the podcast feed and listen to past episodes from the past two seasons. As you'll know and notice that we are constantly growing and evolving, and I think that you will continue to like where we're headed. All right. So now that that's out the way. I mean, I think we could talk about what's going on, right? And I think recently, if you are listening to this podcast and, you know, and I, oh, I, wow, I'm rude. Happy New Year. <laughs> I'm ready to get into it. And I forget to say Happy New Year. Happy 2021. I mean, we had a good five, six days and it was good. And then things got a little crazy. Um, so if you're listening to this whenever, whatever, you kind of have a hint of what day this is and what I'm alluding to. But just to kind of segue a little bit before we get into it, I think this episode is fitting because of recent events, as you noticed, people who um, are Trump supporters and supporters of those who are upset about the certain outcomes that are happening politically when it comes to voting, and not just the election in November, but also the election that recently happened in January this month, uh, the storming of the Capitol Hill, the failed coup d'etat that happened and just what it means and the message that it sends to us black people. And I think again, that this episode is very fitting because it's a reminder of whose country this really is. In my estimation, in my humble opinion, this, what we witnessed on TV, watching white supremacists storm the Capitol, what was supposed to be one of the safest buildings in the United States, if not the world, and and threaten our political leaders and senators and representatives, if that doesn't show you whose country they believe this really is, and the response, that's the biggest thing, the response to it, if that's not a message for whose country this really is, then I don't know what it is. And for us fellow Black, African, African immigrants, Africans in the diaspora, this is a constant reminder, and I hope this episode serves to you as a reminder that it's important to make Africa home again. Not because it's go back to Africa, but more so because we are global citizens and we should not just bound ourselves to a place, especially a place that doesn't necessarily want us. We are, we have the right as human beings, especially for those who historically have ancestors that have contributed to the building of this world and this global economy. We are entitled, I believe, to be able to have some say in where we should go and where we need to establish our roots and grow them and extend our roots. Reconnecting with Africa should be step one. So, you know, so that kind of segues into my conversation with Mr. Osagifo. And I think, you know, we have a very rich conversation about 
why it's important why, why do we not value africa as much as others do when i say others i mean non-african individuals who may be from other parts of the world if not the united states who see the potential capital the the investment opportunity that africa presents why don't we fellow blacks in the diaspora or however we want to identify ourselves if not black but how do we not as brown skin dark skin people not see the value in africa and investing in africa and reconnecting with africa and making africa one of our homes if not our many homes if not our only home so it's a very interesting conversation that we get into and just the other potential opportunities that Africa presents for us and why we should really strongly consider taking advantage of these things. I really had a good time talking to him and I really am excited for what's to come. Um, can't wait to get my uh, Make Africa Home Again hat. I will be rocking it, especially towards the end of the Make America Great Again era. It'd be nice to be able to wear a hat like that out and about and kind of re-establish the whole idea of what it means to wear a red hat because I think that has changed and regardless of whatever you want to say I think that has the perception of a red hat has essentially changed for for a time being so hopefully we can be able to reframe what that image looks like now when it when you wear that hat and maybe it might be a positive thing for us transnationals so I hope you all enjoy the conversation again please make sure to provide any feedback that you have but Without any further ado, let's get into the show. Enjoy. Welcome to My Dad's Podcast, My Blackest Chance National, Season 3. You can find us on anywhere you like to listen to good podcasts. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Black is Transnational. And our guest for today is someone that I've been meaning to talk to for a long time, man. And um, I I remember seeing um, one of your products out there, uh, you know, the, the Make Africa Home Again hat. And I just thought it was one of the dopest concepts. Um, very simple, very straightforward. But, you know, it was at a time where we were already witnessing red, red hats and with the, with the different message. Um, being out there, I thought this was something that really spoke to what I stood up, what I stood for on this podcast. And, um, you know, but not only does he do that, he does so many other things. I mean, this is an, this is a, a, an activist, a change maker, um, a founder of various organizations, including the Aquaba experience, which we're going to talk about. Um, I have, you know, on here, Mr. Osagifo Esson, who is going to be joining us and telling us his story and, and sharing with us, with us his passion. Um, and bruh, I'm just... I just, I'm just, I'm just appreciative of you taking the time to come holler at us and uh, and, and rap with us real quick, man. Thank you so much. How you nah, doing? Thanks. Nah, thanks for having me. I can't complain. How about you? I'm good, bro. I'm good. I'm blessed. Um, you know, trying to stay safe and uh, just taking it one day at a time, man. Yeah, yeah. COVID, just stay out the way. Yeah, yeah, um, man. Yeah. Hanging in there, bro. But, but, but you know, man. So for those of us, you know, for the listeners who do not. You know, know you. I, you know, I gave you a little introduction, but I, I want to give you the opportunity to kick off the show by just letting the audience know who you are. You know, where you're from, what you rep, and um, just a little bit of your background. All right, so um, I'm Osaji Foisan, um, and I would consider myself a Ghanaian American, or sometimes maybe just a Ghanaian. Um, I'm an Israelite. Um, you can say I'm a Pan African. Um, you might be able to even call me a Gariite in a sense. Mm. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, I have the Make Africa Home Again hat, um, which is, you know, we'll get, I guess we'll get more into that. And um, I have a lot of experiences. Um, said to be a travel experience for African-Americans in the diaspora mm. or Africans in the diaspora to be able to explore Africa a little bit more mm-hmm. than we already are. And I also have Change for a Million, which is, Basically, it's a nonprofit organization that aims to um, diversify recreational activities f- 
for youth in, in the continent of Africa. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like you got some fantastic yep. initiatives going on. So, so where, so where are you currently at? Like, where you said you're Ghanaian American. Uh, like, or are you based on right now? So I'm I'm based in Mount Vernon, New York. Okay. Um, I'm from Mount Vernon, New York. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been basically living here all my life. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Bronx. Okay. So. So, like the whole idea of your pan Africanist agenda, or I shouldn't say agenda, but your identity as a pan African, and even as a Ghanaian American, or even even claimed the uh, being a Ghanaian, shed the American part. Were you born here? Were you you know were you born in Ghana? Like what, what what's your what's your connection with Africa? How did that happen? I uh, so um my dad is actually from um, Ghana, West Africa. My mom is actually from New York. Um, what had happened was my dad was actually um, working on a fishing boat and he came to America and I believe he was here for about a few years. And he was actually on his way back to Africa and he met a guy in the airport and he was telling the guy, hey, listen, I don't like it here, um, all the way back to Africa. So the guy told him, I need you to connect with uh, these Hebrew Israelites in New York before you go. And my mom was Hebrew Israelite, and my dad came to New York, met with Hebrew Israelites, and uh, he met my mom. They married, and uh, my mom actually went to uh, Ghana with my dad for a while. Um, that that really didn't work out. She came back here. They both came back here, and my dad actually went back to Ghana on a visit, and he ended up being snatched as a chief, and he ended up staying. Um, my parents had some differences. They divorced, and I basically grew up here. Wow. I don't know if that answered your question. But it did. It, I mean, I mean, that's it, my connection. It did. Well, it did to, in, in one half, right? So, like, you grew up here in America, but, like, yeah. what, you know, you could have spent the majority of your time just living the American life as a young black African-American. But what inspired you to be so deeply rooted in your Pan-African identity? Okay. Like, what's inspired okay, the Akaba so, experience? What inspired the Make Africa Home Again? Like, how did all those things come to be? Okay, so uh, I would have to say, firstly, is my name. So my full name is Osajifo Nana Kofi Esonso. Osajifo is, uh, I was named after Kwame Nkrumah. Mm. Uh, my, my, my father basically idolized Kwame Nkrumah. Um, Nana and um, Ghanaian tradition is means you were born like to a house of respect or like a royal family, mm-hmm. and then uh, you have um, Kofi, which means Australian, and then you have my last name. So I think the first thing that that uh, like was the gravitational pull for me towards Africa was my name because you know um, having a name like that first day of school. Uh, it's, oh, I don't want to mess your name up or. Anywhere you go, and someone's pronouncing your name first. So, the name for me is like, as I got older, in the beginning, I would say it was like, I was, it, it, it was hindrance because it's like I had this crazy name. But as I got older, it's like, nah, this name has meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I should search and seek this, you know, search and seek this thing out. Mm-hmm. Um, being an Israelite, um, that also helped because um, I guess the community that I was in, um, they basically had the sentiment that. Um, what, who we want to be, we're not going to be able to be here. Mm. So we always had that gravitation and pull towards Africa. Um, um, yeah, so we wore, uh, you know, we wore African garb. We played the djembe. So I grew up playing the djembe and, and things like that. So like when you were when you were growing up as a kid, you got, you were pretty much in a single parent household, right? And Yeah, so... So what role what role did your mom's play being African American? What role did she play in in order to continue to feel that that fire in you that wanted to go back and connect with Africa? Did she play a role? Oh yeah, so so you know, um I grew up uh you know, my mom she she actually loved Africa. Um it just didn't work out for her, but like she I guess, like, being an Israelite, we had a connection, like, to who we are. So I always grew up in, like, a black and Jew house. We never celebrated Kwanzaa. I mean, I'm sorry, Christmas. We always celebrated Kwanzaa and, and Hanukkah. So um, my mom always just embraced, embraced that African part, and she tried to instill that in me. So 
Um, I mean, I had as much as I could because of that. If, I feel like if I would have grew up with a different name or with a different way of life, then I, I wouldn't be who I am today, like, as far as, like, just so, like, geared toward Africa. Mm. Wow. Man. So, okay. So, like, how's your, what is your current connection to the Ghanaian community in the Bronx? Because there are lots of us that's deep over there, you know, and, like, parts, like, half um, of my family is connected to Ghana. So, even though I was raised partially in Nigeria, you know, I still have a lot of love for Ghana, but the Ghanaian family is deep in, in the Bronx, you know. Um, so what's your connection with, with the Ghanaian community up there? How's that been? So, so honestly, um, growing up in, uh, um, without my dad, I didn't have, like, that connection. So, like, we didn't have too many Ghanaian friends on this side. I mean, I have some now, of course, but, like, in the beginning, like, I didn't have the language growing up. Like, I didn't eat the food growing up and and things like that, but now I have, like, a couple friends that I know got names, but I never really had that connection. I know the areas, and I know where to go eat when I want to go eat, but, um, yeah, I might go to a party every now and then and, and mingle with that, but, um, yeah, I don't have that deep of a connect, connection with the, um, with the Ghanaian crowd in the Bronx, so I do have some, some people that I've connected with, and, 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 you know, we talked about doing projects and things like that, but mm-hmm. nothing deep. Mm-hmm. So, how'd you go about with the Aquaba experience then? Like, how did that happen? How did that come uh, to fruition? So, the Aquaba experience happened like this. So, um, basically, I went to the Ghana my first time. Um, I, I was 22. I went for my birthday for about a month. Okay. And when in Ghana, um, I just feel like you see more pe- other people exploring um, Ghana in particular, I'm not, I can't speak for the rest of the continent, but mm-hmm. you see more like Asians and uh, white Americans, maybe Italians, then you do see African Americans. And for me, it's like, why are African Americans not um, coming and visiting Africa? Mm. You know, or, or you can go to Ghana and you're sitting in like a super dope establishment, like a restaurant, or it might be a hotel, and then you meet, you see the owner. And he's not like a Ghanaian or he's not an African-American. Mm. And that kind of like, it doesn't sit too well with me because it's like, all right, why are we not here um, playing a part in the d- development of Africa? So mm. the Quab experience is basically, that's me saying, all right, in order for us to actually think about, we think about possibly repatriating, mm-hmm. we have to at least visit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, I feel like the reason that African-Americans don't visit Africa is because it's never portrayed as a luxurious place. Mm-hmm. It's never portrayed as um, a place where you can actually have fun, you know. So, um, for example, my, my dad lives in Cape Coast, um, Cape Coast, um, Ghana, okay. right? And um, outside of Accra, you know, in Cape Coast is where the slave dungeon is at, yeah. you know. And Ghana is, I would say, like the main attraction in, in, in Ghana is like, if you go to Ghana, you have to go to the Cape Coast dungeon, Yeah. you know. And I don't think that... I mean, before um, Afrochella and everyone's been going and, like, uh, not, well, I know um, Ghanaians have been going in December, but, like, everyone else, like, the new, you know, this new wave of everyone going to Africa in December. The year of the return, you know, that from last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, that wave, and, you know, a lot of people are Ghanaians, even more of them are not. Um, before that, I don't think people were ever looking at, you know, Ghana in that light, so... What we aim to do is just say, hey, listen, you can go to Africa and have fun, and you can go to Africa and stay in somewhere luxurious. You can have a five-star meal. And that's what the Aquab experience is about, because it's basically saying, listen, in order for us to um, eventually travel to Africa, I mean, like, not travel, but repatriate, we have to travel and see what it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, I have friends that will go. I have friends that have been to Iceland, you know. I have friends that have been to, not not in Iceland, but it's like, uh, you haven't been to, anywhere in Africa, but you've been everywhere in Africa. It's, I feel like, personally, the people that I know will go anywhere but Africa. Mm. You know? The Miami, they're going to Vegas, they're going to Paris, France, they're going to uh, Tokyo, they've been to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but right. as African Americans, why, why are we not traveling to Africa a little bit more? What are they scared of, bro? What do you think? I think it's just, uh, it's just, it's just you know, what media portrays. Mm. And 
Yeah, I think it's. I think that's basically it. It's what media portrays, and and but, but I mean, know, I've, I've had a. You know what, bro? Uh-huh. I, sorry to sorry to interrupt. You know, I find it interesting. No. Because you know, when we think about people who are who have this what they call wanderlust, which is this this itch to travel. And you, you're right. You know, a lot of people will travel to Iceland. You'll travel to Scandinavia. You'll travel to Antarctica. You know, you'll mess around. And, okay, we're talking about European or at least Europeanly predominated countries and areas. Exactly. But let's, exactly. Let's, let's even go deeper than that. Let's talk about these other developing nations. People will go to India. People will go to Thailand. Yeah. People will go to, you know, Bangladesh, right? Like, people will go uh-huh. to these places. But when it comes to Africa, it's like, oh, I don't want to go there. It's savagery. And it's and it and it blows my mind sometimes because I wonder what's the difference between a very populated country like India and a very populated black country like Nigeria? Like what makes India more attractive than Nigeria or Ghana? Like is it just because of the skin color of the people who live there or what? Like, I'm curious. What do you think? I think it's just, a, I think it's 100% like what we see in the news, what we mm. see in the media. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, exactly. other than that, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't mm. know why anyone would ever go to um, Antarctica. And even so, like, like you say, like predominantly white countries. I've had friends that have been to Paris. And they're like, uh, we wasn't treated real right over there. You know, I have friends who've been to, to Italy and they're like, oh, they're a little racist over there. It's like, uh, uh, well, duh. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, we should have went to Africa. So right. my a experience is just about saying, like, yo, let's start going to Africa. You know, they have everything you, anywhere you go, anywhere else, they, it's, it's in Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I stayed in some of the nicest hotels. I mean, I stayed in, I stayed at some of the dopest restaurants. Yeah. Just the problem is when you go to some of these places, they're on that. It's the people taking advantage of it that are not of African descent. Exactly, because they see it, and it's it's interesting. They see they, they see oh, the they potential. Know they know it. They see the potential in that in those countries, oh, they, um, in those African countries. They see it, and we don't see it in ourselves. We don't see it in our own home. It's like it's like when you you got a nice crib, and maybe the crib you know has a good foundation has good resources, it's in a good neighborhood with good schools, good good stores that just needs a little fix up and you're just like, nah, this house ain't it. Like I need to go over there by the burbs. And you're just like, okay, cool. But the person who lives in the burbs looks at your crib and it's like, you know, we yeah. can do something like it's I mean, it's like gentrification up in New York, like in New York City. Like think about what's uh, happening over there. Like you see all them people just coming from the burbs. They look at with these homes and they're like, you know what, we can do something with this. And they go ahead and they create. I just saw a documentary about what's happening. What happened a couple years ago up in uh, in I forgot it's like Chelsea, Chelsea in Manhattan or something like that. But like this whole yeah. gentrification project, right? And it's it's the same thing happening in Africa in a more in a grander scale where you see all these other, you know, um, countrymen from different countries and and they're coming in and they see the potential and they're like, yo, you know what? I don't mind uh you know staying here for a little bit and uh you know getting putting some money down and establishing something and. And Africans in Africa are like, sure, why not? Come on in. And because you're not, you know, African Americans aren't taking advantage of it. And Africans who are in the diaspora aren't taking advantage of it enough, you know? So exactly. there's, there needs to be that. But I digress on that. Like, I want to know what was the first, when you brought, when you had your first trip uh, with the Aquaba experience, did you bring people who are African American to Africa? So uh, on the first trip, it was uh, it was rather small. Okay. Um. So and we were basically trying to like navigate the situation. I had never been in December, mm. so we were just basically trying to like get our feet wet and um, just see what it was about. And but um, we had four guests. They were all African American women. Okay. And that's another thing. Like we have, so Africans are dis- disproportionately traveling to Africa, but it's always like it's go- always going to be the women first. Mm. It's always going to be the women first. I feel like there's less African-American men. Even, even when I go over there sometimes, like, not to um, change the topic or anything, mm-hmm. but um, I, I went over there and I met, a, I met a, a female from New Jersey, African-American lady from New Jersey, and she's telling me, like, listen, um, most of us that are repatriated are African-American women. There's mm-hmm. a lot less African-American men. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, yeah, on the first trip of the Aquabic experience, um, we took four African-Americans and 
we tried to show them the best. Like that's and that's what we're about. Like we want to show you the best. Like we're gonna show you the the local side, and we might take you to get some local food and 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 you know. But we wanna we wanna show you like all right, this is as luxurious as any other place you go. Mm. You know, you're gonna have as much as fun. Oh man, we had a blast in December. <laughs> like you're gonna have as much fun here as if you went to Toronto, Canada, or wherever you, wherever you may go to party. Right. You know, and you're gonna do it. And you're gonna do it around mostly of your people. People who look like you. You're gonna you, people who look like you. You're gonna spend some of the money with people who look like you and you're just going to have fun. Like you don't have to worry about discrimination things of that nature. Right. Right, man. And so what was their reaction? Those, those, um, those young women, what was their reaction? Um, so they loved it. I'm going to say they loved it. Um, yeah, they loved it. So, you know, we spent some time in the crowd and that's where we did most of the party in and, mm-hmm. and, and Music, the music festivals, and we had fun with tasting um, local food and and things of that. But I think the I feel like the highlight of the trip was the, uh, the Cape Coast Dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we took them there, and we had a real like a really really deep tour. Um, usually, I would say a tour of Cape Coast Dungeon is maybe like an hour and a half. We probably was in Cape Coast Dungeon for three hours a day, and wow. like, they all cried, and, and uh, we actually connected with an orphanage. Mm. Um, and they connected with the children in the orphanage and I believe a couple of them are still in contact. So I would say that they loved it. I, I would say that they loved it so much that each of them said they were coming back. Like, and that's, and I feel like that's all it takes. I feel like they just, you just have to get there one time. Yeah. I feel like you just have, once you get there and then you see, all right, this is what's going on here. Yeah. All right. I can do this. You know, I feel like anyone who has doubts. You just have to get them there one time. Once they're partying, we're having fun. You go to Africa, you're like, oh, I didn't know this was like this. Mm-hmm. So was last year, was last December y'all first trip? Like, when was y'all first trip? Are y'all fairly new? That was our, that, so we're, fairly, we're, we're brand new. Like, okay. um, I think I went, I went in 2017, and I was just thinking, like, why are people not coming? And then... Um, we started developing the trip in 2018, mm-hmm. um, and then by 2019, we were like, all goals. And so that was our very first trip. We are planning a trip for this year, and before COVID, we had already doubled or nearly even tripled the, the amount of people who were signed up to go. And then COVID happened, so um, we're just going to sell back from this year, and then mm-hmm. we're going to start um, hitting hard again for next year. And then eventually what we want to do is, we want to, um, we want to extend. We want to go beyond December. Like, right. there's there's different there's different festivals. There's a festival in uh, in August called Chariote, which is like an art festival. Mm-hmm. And we want to expand beyond. Um, we want to expand beyond Ghana, but mm-hmm. I forget to explain this. Um, basically, what we want to do is we want to show you the luxurious part and all of that, but we want to keep it as affordable as possible because that's another thing. Right. Um, the, the, the affordability and like, you know, you have to get visas and I've been to Africa and people are like, I came back from Africa and people are like, don't you have to get nine or 10 shots? It's like, yo, dude, it's one shot. Like, it's only one shot. Like, how many pills do you take in this life? You know, it seems so difficult. Like, I've been to, I come back and I tell them that I just came back from Ghana and they look at me like I'm an astronaut. You know, so it's like, it's not that difficult or, or even the price, like, Oh, I want to go to Ghana with you next time, but um, I'm gonna start saving this year so I can go next year. And it's like, I mean, if you choose the right time, it's not as affordable, you know. It's just, I think that's another thing. I think it's portrayed as like the most, the toughest place to get to on earth. Mm-hmm. I think Africa is 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 portrayed and comes off as one of the toughest tougher places to get to to travel to. Mm-hmm. If you're so, black or if you're white. Well, well, if you're white, generally it's going to be more affordable, you know. Um, that's what I think um, is the difference is. It's, it's generally going to be more affordable, you know. But um, I think that the black community just finds Africa super difficult, mm-hmm. whether it be affordable or whether you have to get um, 15 shots to go or you have to take a whole um, array of pills. And it's like, all right, you get one shot um, and you have the choice of taking a pill once weekly just to, you know, um, 
fight off possible malaria. You know, and, and the flights are as, as not expensive as you think they are. You don't have to start saving this year so you can go two years from now, mm. you know? So a big question that I think a lot of the listeners who are who are listening to this, listening to you talk and, and, and really, you know, seeing the praises of, of traveling to Africa and, and maybe even addressing some of their concerns will definitely want to know this. And I know I know my friends who are very interested in, in traveling back to Africa want to know about safety and security. Like what can be done? Like what do you what are you at the Aquaba experience you and your team what are y'all doing as far as to ensure safety security for the people who you're traveling with especially as y'all continue to get larger as a group um so i mean i think your, your biggest concern and and down would be like a pickpocket or someone who might snatch your phone and run but that's even that's extremely rare um especially like, like it's, i wouldn't say it's extremely I, I would just say it's rare um Especially like when you're in a big city, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I feel like Ghana's completely safe. Like it's the difference between the United States and Ghana is like the morals. Mm. So, so for someone to steal from me from you is like super forbidden. Oh yeah, that's a big crime. You no, know, like that's a big crime. Yeah. So, and, and I, I, I heard your episode of, and you spoke about community justice. Like that's mm. a real thing. So, mm-hmm. and I think. I think it's it's it can be a bad thing, but I think it keeps the morals. Like I mean, even if they don't deal with you in the most harsh way, but you know, like someone will help someone out. So mm. um, I I would say it's generally safe. What we basically tell the guests is, if you if you're paying for something, try not to pull out a whole stack. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Um, keep your keep, trying to keep your money discreet. Um, Shit, you, do that, you do that. In a, you do that in the Bronx. <laughs> Mons is gonna be hunting you. So like, that's just yeah, common sense. I feel, I feel te- I feel way safer in Ghana um, than in the Bronx. The first time I went to Ghana, um, I was like I stayed for a month, and I ended up traveling by myself mm. to certain places, like learn- learning how to navigate through the city. Mm-hmm. And I, one day I was traveling, and light went out, and it, I mean it was completely dark. But I felt like you know I feel like as long as you if you as long as you're not bothering anybody, um, people really won't generally do anything to you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean that 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 definitely, you know, what I mean, hits hits the court, especially when you see people that look like you. You know what I mean? They don't want, they're trying to just make it day to day. Ain't nobody trying to cause no trouble. Uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a really dope. I mean, I love Ghana. I mean, I think Ghana is completely different than Nigeria. Um, even though that's my home country, you know, Ghana is my mother's land, and I've been to Ghana when I was, I think I was in Ghana when I had to been like, I think 13, 14. And beautiful, man. And I just remember, you know, my mom was just like, you know, Ghana is a place where like, you know, you you go and you have a good time and you can go out and party and or just go out and have a good, you know, experience, you know, out and tour or just go to the market and, 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 you know, buy some really good products. But man, when you want to have a good time, like Ghana is a spot like people in Ghana know how to like they know how to like have a good time. Um, all night, <laughs> like all night, whatever you want to do. Um, it's, man, uh, it's, a, it's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful experience. Um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful country. Uh, and I definitely encourage, you know, more of my African American brothers and sisters to really, to really think, think about going, man. It's, it's, it's worth it. I, I can guarantee that it's worth that experience, but I want to shift. I want to shift the conversation a little bit to me wanting to learn more about just what was your when you were growing up here in the Bronx before you really you know got into connecting with Africa like what was your experience between African Americans and African immigrants here in the United States did you notice there was a difference did you I know you mentioned the idea of you know your name being different and you feeling some type of way until you got older but like did you notice a difference in the relationship between African Americans and African immigrants, even though you are are half. Like, what was that like for right, you? So, so, so that that's um, that's a good question. Um, I think in school is the first like you know mm. um, you get a you get a new kid in school and you get a new kid in school. Um, they just got here from Africa a few months ago, you know, and 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 as a person who's like half. You know, um, 
has gone in, has, you know, you watch like, you watch the other kids treat, mistreat um, this, the new child who's from, maybe from, you, you never know where they're from. Um, and it's just like, uh, you, you, I don't know, it's like you, 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 you identify, you know? Mm-hmm. I kind of identify with, uh, like this kid is asking too, like that could have easily been me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, that, I, that was a school piece. And I think in school, another piece in school was um, the, between the connection. I don't know. I feel like I personally had a connection because, I mean, if you didn't know my name, like, you wouldn't think I was an African. Mm-hmm. You, would, you wouldn't think I had an African parent, you know? If you didn't know my name or if you didn't see me wearing African garb or things like that, you wouldn't know. So I think I had a, a connection with um, all the other African kids in the school, like we had those names, mm. you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, I didn't have the parents, and I didn't have the the the, uh, the leftover fufu and fish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean, like I, we just identified. I think the misconne- I think the biggest um, is just a misconnection um, between African Americans. Just a misunderstanding. Mm. Uh, we have thoughts about um, African Americans have thoughts about Africans, like oh, they live in uh, things of that nature, and I think I've seen this somewhere of like Africans think African Americans are all from boys in the hood type of thing. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, and 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 African Americans think that all Africans live in huts. So I think there's just um, a misconnection, and I think that misconnection really comes to a head when um, new Africans come to America, and then you have the language barrier, and then you have like different cultural barriers and. I think it gets worse at that point, you know, because we already have our thoughts about each other. And then like now in person, we're together and we see that we're so different. But yeah, that gap definitely needs to be bridged. Yeah. So what would you suggest is a way to bridge that gap? Uh, the way I think, I think we have to, I think it's, it's, it's more on the part of African-Americans to start like accepting more, be more accepting of Africa where you came from. Mm. You know, like, I mean, I, I hear some people with the argument that, oh, oh, this is our land. We were here first, but Africa is where you came from. And I think it, it starts with that, like to be more understanding of, um, the plight of an African who just came from Africa or be more understanding of the plight of an African who was still in Africa. I think the initiative has to, because for the most part, even though African Americans are not okay where we are, they feel like they are. They mm. feel like they're okay, mm. you know. And and I feel like I feel like African Americans could go back and help out a little bit more, you know. Yeah. You know, like 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 prime example. Um, I have a brother and sister, and because they know I'm here working, they expect me to help, you know. Send, send something small every now and then. So I feel like on the, on the part of African-Americans, we can help. Yeah. And I think that would help bridge the gap. Yeah. And I thought, you know, an, another way that I found interesting was the idea of, you know, make Africa home again. Like, what led you to create that? Because I, I think that's a dope concept. Um, so with that, um, basically, you know, we were all seeing like, oh, make... Uh, make America great again. And I think the first idea was like, all right, make, make America great again. What does that mean? To us, I think it pretty much meant, uh, let's go back to the days of slavery or let's go back to the, the days of segregation. Mm-hmm. But I was watching an interview one day and this guy, was, he was wearing the, uh, the hat and he was just like, why don't you go back to Africa? <laughs> and in my head, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, I would really love to go back to Africa. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like that's the greatest idea. Like I, he does. Like he doesn't understand that, you know. So that's not an as, insult. Yeah, that, that is not an insult. Like that is, that would be the best. Like for me, for someone like me, that's like yo, that's the greatest idea. And I even <laughs> seen people like starting like GoFundMe. Like I wish I could have started a GoFundMe. Like listen, you want to send me back? Just give me the funds, and I'll be out your head. Right. You know. But um, from that, that's when I was like, yo, make Africa home again. And I started. What I did was, I tried to make just something cool for me and my cousins to wear. Mm-hmm. And I started with that. I probably got like three, four hats. And then I posted it, and someone was like, 
yo, that's dope. I need one. So dope. And then I was, and then I was like, all right. And then I just got them one, and then it just starts spreading from there. Bro, I even saw and, um, Alvin Kamara rocking it um, for the okay, yeah. running back for the Saints. So, so how that happened was, uh, um, I was then me and my cousin. Like the day I just I decided to sell them. Me and my cousin, we went to the African restaurant. We're wearing our hats, man. We're just sitting there. We're eating our food, and he tags. I forget who he tags. I think he must have tagged like Ti in it, and the picture. And Ti liked the picture. Mm. So like we're in the African restaurant. We start going crazy. Like yo, he likes the picture. So we start from that point. We start ta- tagging, um, like any celebrity we could. Like just to start just tagging people. You know, trying mm. to use social media to just get the word out. Yeah. And then I got the idea. I got the idea that I could tag um, African athletes. Mm. So and it's you know it's a long shot because sometimes you tag these people they don't even see that right. you know what I'm saying. So we're just tagging we're just tagging away. And I tagged Alvin and he hits me back like yo that's dope like I need one. So I'm like oh like I'm I'm like I bet <laughs> you know what I'm saying cool I'm gonna get you one. So he's like yo but I need that Liberian flag on the side of it and I was like yeah that's that's the thing. So that was, that was another cool aspect of it because whatever country you're from, we could slap your patch. Bro, I didn't even know he was like. I didn't even know he was Liberian, bro. Like that's new information to me. And most, and I feel like I have a, yeah. a nice little. Um, I feel like I have a nice idea of who's you know from the diaspora. But that's dope. I didn't even know Alvin was from Liberia. That's what's up. Yeah. So I mean, I don't even know how I realized um, he was from Liberia, but I think it was the last name. Mm. And I was I just tagged him. I might have got I don't know how I was privy to that, but I tagged him. And he's like, "Yo, put the put the Liberian flag on it." So cool. I'm like, "All right, bet." I, I I ship it to him, and I remember a Monday night football game. Drew Brees had broke the record for um, like passing touchdowns or something. Yeah, I had fell asleep on the game. I went. I, I fell asleep on the game. I woke up and my dean was just going crazy. He wore it. Um, he wore it and. And I mean, I mean, like that, like it just it went crazy, like crazy viral from there. Bro, it's amazing. I I love it. I'm a big fan. I want to have. I'm trying to get one for my for my whole family, man. To be honest. No, but, no, no. We gonna now. I'm gonna get you some hats, definitely. Trust me, you know, man. And, and then so so and and the idea of the hat is just so one for me it was like, you know, it's a middle finger to all the MAGA people. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Like, yeah, like, all right, we'll do that. Like, we will go back to Africa. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. And then it's also, like, a message to the African-American community that, listen, we have somewhere to go. Like, yes. if we cannot, yeah. if we can't continue to deal with, you know, uh, this, this oppression, the racism and the, and the systematic injustices and things, like, we have a place to go. Like, we don't have to stay and deal with this. Mm. You know, and that, that's, that's the message. That's just the message behind that. Yeah, man, I, I definitely think that that is a that's something special. And even though we are past that, we are past the you know election, and and hopefully we'll have a new president. I, I think that that message in itself, I think you what you're doing is going to hopefully change the perspective of what it is to have a red hat on. Because I think, man, Mogs is shook. You know, when you see a red hat with right white writing on it, man, people feel some type of way now. You know, that's just that image has changed forever. And I think now it's an opportunity for y'all to kind of reframe that image, especially to our community, to inspire people to use that, like you said, as as not an insult. But if anything, this is this is a call for you to to really consider, you know, going back to Africa doesn't mean that you have to give up America, just like people who leave Africa don't give up Africa to come to America. Right. It's, you don't right. have to do that, but you have the you have the right. ability to have the best of of multiple worlds. And so why not allow yourself that? Right. Why do you allow yourself to feel comfortable enough to go to Iceland or feel comfortable enough to go to Paris, to go feel comfortable enough to go to all of these countries that historically, you know, looked at our ancestors as subhuman, you know, and, and they all have all these European countries have a history of the blood, sweat, and tears of our ancestors, our brothers, our, our our predecessors, you know, their blood, sweat, and tears have built those lands, some way, shape, or form. Right, like, 
Why do you Why do you want to go to Portugal? Do you know? Like, <laughs> Come on, do you know what, Do you know what the Portuguese? My yeah, do you know what they did to us? So, and that's even a sentiment for me. It's like I never want to. At this point, I don't want to go anywhere where the people aren't brown. Mm. Like mm. I, whether whether it's like Brazil or whether I'm in like uh, South America with Garifunas, uh, I think they call them. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if I'm going somewhere. I want the people to be brown. Yeah. I want, I want, I want, I want my traveling money to be spent with brown people rather than yeah. um, forcing myself to go have fun in Portugal or somewhere where, you know, I, they'll take my money, but they're not really jacking who I am like that. You exactly. know what I'm saying? So. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So I want to, I want to hear before we wrap up. I want to hear a little bit more about the uh, Change for a Million initiative. All right. So. The Change for a Million Initiative um, kind of started like this. The first time I went to Africa, well, I was a football player in high school. Okay. Um, the first time I went, I took a football with me because my, my uncle actually lived like on the beach side. So I was like, all right, my cousin is out there. We'll throw the football around just to like, you know, while we're just chilling and having fun, we'll just throw the football around. I met a guy named Joshua who had never seen the football before. Mm. And... And, and I'm like, it's, you know what I'm saying? To me, that's like, that's crazy. Like, you've never seen a football? Like, you've never touched a football before? Mm-hmm. So he was like, nah, I've never seen football. I've never touched a football. But, you know, I love the game. Somehow he loved the game, but he's never, like, so he watches it on YouTube and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came back to America, you know, you go to, you go to Africa, you give somebody a WhatsApp, and then, like, that's, that's like a, a marriage now. You know right, what I'm right. saying? So, <laughs> it's over. You get uh, messages so, every morning. Yeah. <laughs> What, how are you doing every day? So when I got back, he's telling me, like, yo, send me any um, American football movie. So I sent them, like, Friday Night Lights and Remember the Titans and things like that. Wow. You can watch. And then and then what actually happened was when I started selling the Make Africa Home Again hats, it was like, all right, I was just thinking, like, all right, I could really sell these hats if I put a cause behind it. You know mm. what I'm saying? If I put if I put a song, um, what I did was I was I was saying, like, yo, I – the the, hat, the 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 message on the hat is like more than a message. It's, I mean, it's more about a message than it is money for me. Yeah, you know. So, so I'll take the benefit. I'll take the proceeds from the hat, and I'll buy a bunch of footballs and recreational stuff. And I'll go when I go to Ghana next time. I'll just give it to the kids. Mm. So that's what I did. I um, that's where it came from. So I was just like, every hat I sell, I buy some footballs and and. and it actually went very well. After Alvin posted it, I mean, people were ordering hats left and right. Mm-hmm. People were loving the initiative. Um, I went to kind of the February after that, and I must have took about 50 footballs and maybe like 100 jump ropes for girls. Okay. And I distributed them to a couple local schools. So, and, and, and that's another thing, like, when you go to, when you go to Africa, um, the big sport is soccer. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But everyone's not fit to play soccer you know what i'm saying so this there's people who you were born to be a defensive lineman if not a scientist you have the body structure to be a defensive lineman and because of that i mean it's like a wasted opportunity possibly yeah. you know what i'm saying so even even in america um there was an issue about there was an issue about um Certain communities having more opportunities than others recreationally. Yeah. You know, so you go to the Bronx, none of these high schools in the Bronx have a hockey team. Right. You know, lacrosse is just now starting to get, you know, um, into more of the schools. But when you go to a certain community, they have the opportunities to play every sport. When you go to Africa, the the opportunity to play every sport is not there. So we want to expand on that. We Mm -hmm. want to give the kids the opportunity to play football and let y'all play basketball, baseball, baseball, you can forget about it. I've, I, you know, you can mm. forget it. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody playing baseball in that. You know, basketball is picking, it's picking up fast. Yeah. Basketball yeah. is picking up fast. Football is slow, but baseball and, I mean, and beyond that, we want to start leagues and we just want to give the, the kids more options and more choices. Man, listen, if you, if you ever need someone to talk to these kids about baseball, I'm your guy. Cause, and, oh, and, and, you? Yeah, yeah, I love baseball. I play baseball. I mean, that's my thing. What position? Um, center field, second base, 
everything essentially but pitcher <laughs> i couldn't pitch for my life and i couldn't catch either but, but i mean like as a catcher but um yeah no i love the game man and i think you know my dream was at some point when i was a shorty and i think i think it's well my son may end up being that person i'm just gonna claim it but like i still there still has not been anyone with actual like african descent not african-american but like african like an immigrant play the game of baseball as an african immigrant like that has yet to happen as far as my knowledge Everything has been, you know, from the from the islands or from the uh, like the um, Latin islands and the, the uh, Caribbean islands, maybe mm-hmm. um, like the Dominican Republic and, and, you know, South America. But no African. That's like that's something that I need to see happen at some point before it's all said and done for my life. And I think we need to be able to inspire that because the truth of the matter is, bro, is when you look at these other countries and, when you, when, and that's why I kind of I really am intrigued by your initiative is that when you start to inspire these young kids i mean think about what we produce in africa as just naturally gifted athletes i mean something that historically exactly. white people have tried to exploit because of the fact that hey, they no, already... no 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 oh, wait no not try to oh <laughs> they still do it you're right <laughs> i stand corrected think, think, think about it like this the black team that won the uh the world cup from france were all black yep 95. 95 percent of the players were african yeah yeah you know what i'm saying if you look at if you look at the nba if they did it like that you know all these people are, are, are of african descent so mm-hmm. god forbid lebron james was to say yo listen i'm playing with team nigeria in the, in the olympics next time wow wow you know what i'm saying like yeah. now you and now you're starting to see like the athletes go to hbcus and things that, and that's a yeah. good thing too yeah but i mean like you said baseball why do you think there's no player of real action baseball because like um, because they're just not it's not a thing they're not it's investing really not bro. And, they're not investing yeah, in that's, africa and that's, at, at all no, i not. mean you see the bal the bal just went over and you know they're gonna start the, uh, the basketball league but outside of that i mean we need we need opportunities and everything you know exactly. it's like having uh it's like you have a farm and you have all these different trees on the farm you have a mango tree and you have uh, an apple tree, you have a pear tree, you have you have watermelons growing, but sh- but you're only tending to the apples. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. you have you have this guy who might, and, and I think the only reason Africa really got a shot in basketball is because of height. Mm. You know, height. Yeah. yeah. Certain players from certain players from certain countries having height, they give us a chance and and soccer because you know. So we've been fully exploited um, as far as sports go. You're 100 percent right. Yeah. You know, I stand yeah, correct. Yeah, we need to, we need to um, definitely, yo, let's get a Nigerian, like, little league in, in, in you know, that will be a dope idea. Bro, that'd be an amazing idea, man. That's, I would, like, that would be a dream to you, because you know when you got the little league, the little league world series, and you got these kids playing from, like, Japan, South Korea, I would, I would love to put a Nigerian team together, just to show people. Could you, could or even, you like, I would, I would, I would love to even put, even if not, even if they don't want to, put um one country but i would love like a west african whatever like just kids from all parts you know what i mean like from ghana from i put a mini western you know ECOWAS type uh little league world you know over there man that would be so dope bro like it just african union little oh that would be amazing bro like i would love that imagine like the celebrations and the player profiles and favorite food you know, like, that would be crazy. Like, that, would, that would be crazy. Yeah. That needs to be done. Like. It, that it, needs to be done. Man, you inspiring me right now. Because now I'm thinking about, like, I need to be able to to jump on what you all are doing with Change for a Million to be able to make sure that, um you know, I can send some baseballs and some gloves and stuff over. But I, I think I think, uh, I'm inspired and I definitely want in. <laughs> like, I want in. So... Uh, we definitely got to find a way to wrap more about this, man. But as we as we wrap up, I wanna I wanna just kind of ask you as we close for you to tell me like when it's all said and done. I always ask this to all my guests, but I think this is important for you and all the things that you do. You know, when it's all said and done, like what do you want to be your lasting impact with with the make um Africa home again and uh, quality experience? Like, what do you want to be the ultimate result that you feel satisfied with? The ultimate the ultimate result for me would be. Um, just um, African Americans taking Africa more seriously, like investing more, and 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 
you know, traveling more to Africa, you know, and just and just and and helping the development. You know, mm. we could go back and help so much. Like, there's so much that we could provide. Like the idea of you going to Nigeria and bringing baseball to Nigeria, you might, you know, um, develop the next um, MLB baseball star who might, you know, send funds back. You know, it's just it's like yeah. a triple. Like, yeah. let's just go back and help. That's that's the whole thing. Let's go back and help. Let's bridge the gap. Yeah. Let's go back and help and. Let's let's fix things that are, are are not doing well. Let's you know we have the opportunity to show this country here that you know we we don't have to stay. We're not stuck in your, you know. So that's the whole goal. Let's just go back and help. Bro, I, I don't think I could have said it any better. Especially the part that we don't have to be stuck here, right? Like we don't have to be stuck here at all. We can we can start getting more into the choice of 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 choosing where we want to call home. You know, and and knowing yeah. where home is, and we we have that. We have, you know, what they call what what um white people call manifest destiny. We we have yeah. we have that too. You know, and maybe we have not, it as well. Yeah, we have it too. We we don't need to. We don't have to be as violent as they are, but we have. A, a, we, it's our destiny to find the places that we call home and and lay our head there wherever we want to. I, I believe in that truly. And, and 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 there's opportunity. That's one thing I never yeah. I didn't get to touch on. Yeah. It's the opportunity. You know, just the small ideas like, all right, we have baseball here. Let's just go do baseball in Nigeria. Like that's that's a that's a small idea, but that could be so big. Like that could be huge. Yeah. You know, down the line, ten, twenty, thirty years from now, you know, if you were to do that, like that, that would be huge. Like, and it and it's just not baseball. It's in other aspects. It's it's in dining. It's in nightlife. It's mm-hmm. in um, Real like estate. the housing game, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the house. Like all the markets are open. Like the competition is, you know, I'm saying like, wow, bro. My man's, my man's that told me, my man's told me something very powerful that still sticks with me today. And uh, you know, he said, no, Africa doesn't need your sympathy, man. Africa needs your business. And that, yeah. that's the most, that's the most powerful thing that I that I heard, you know, this year. It was just, it was the most inspiring thing that that just keeps me going as far as what, everything else that you just said as far as investing back. I mean, we, Africa needs your business, needs your investment. That's, that's who we need to give our money to and we need to, and there's something you get back. You get, you get something back. It's not like you're just giving it away. You get something back. You get the feeling of knowing that you have a home somewhere else. If you choose to leave and you want to go to Africa in December, you know you got a crib there. You know you got people there who going to welcome you with open arms. You got people there who who want who who going to appreciate what you bring. I mean, there's so much love there, man, that we don't get to see because of like you mentioned, the 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 misconception that's being put out there by those who control the media and the narratives. They are controlling that stuff, and we have to take that control back. We have to take that back and be able to start bringing the, the truth to light, which is that Africa is like any countries in Africa are like any other country in the world. They have their good parts, they have their bad parts, um, and you need to visit. You need to come see, and, and this is your home if you choose it, if you choose for it to be. You know, um, yeah, man. But but bro, I, I I appreciate this has been fun, man. Uh, I appreciate. You taking the time to come through? How how are how can people be able to find you and and support you know all the things that you're doing? How can they reach you? Um, my Instagram name is just um, underscore Osagifo, um, a public experience, which just means a welcome experience. Um, that's just um, a public experience at LLC on Instagram. Um, we have Change for a Million, which is Change the number four, and then a million on Instagram. Um, those are the initiatives. That's how you can find me. Fantastic, man. Yeah, this is this was exactly how I imagined this conversation would go. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time, bro. And um, man, just know that whatever you know, whatever you need me to do here in uh, my Black is Transnational, me and the team, just let us know what we can do to continue to support nah, you. Now, nah, I appreciate you for having me, and I seriously. I want you to explore that baseball situation. We're going to talk more no, about seriously. it. We're going to talk more about definitely. it. we definitely going to build on that, bro. Right. But I appreciate you, man. You have a good one. Be blessed and peace out, man. All right, you too. Blessings to you and your family. You too, bro. We have reached the conclusion of this episode of My Black is Transnational. I'd like to thank Mr. Osagi Fo Esson for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, we're very excited for what's to come, and we wish you continued help and more success on what you do. 
if you'd like to hear more or similar episodes you can check out this podcast and download it and subscribe to it on any of your favorite podcast listening apps uh, you can find out more about us by checking out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com podcast follow us on social media at black transnational podcast you can follow me on social media at black transnational underscore uh, please rate the podcast five stars and please leave a review if you really like what you hear or just have any feedback that you can share that would allow us to be able to make this content more digestible and um and, and more for you okay so um until next time i'll be signing off please be safe you know continue to stay vigilant regarding the pandemic regarding covid Please remain alert when it comes to our political situation. It does affect all of us, and uh, stay safe. So, my name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lambert. My black is transnational, and I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Make Africa home again. Peace.